Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Exodus chapter 17 this morning. We're going to continue uh, where we left off last week. And if you remember, the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 17 are at Rephidim. They're in Rephidim because they had traveled from the wilderness of sin. They were on their way to Sinai. And you remember that in route or somewhere along the way or when they got to Reph- uh, Rephidim, they discovered that there was no water. So their water ran out and it was... Um, a crisis for the people of Israel. And then you remember last week we talked about that, that God told Moses, he said, pass on in front of the people, go stand on the rock at Horeb, and I will, or stand before it, and I will stand on the rock. You smite, you strike the rock with the rod of God that you have in your hand, and water will come out. And so that's what happened. Uh, Moses struck the rock, which was a symbol of who? Jesus, remember? Because Jesus is the rock. And so when he struck the rock, the water came forward and uh, satisfied the people's uh, needs. And so they're still at Rephidim. And I want us to pick up this morning, beginning in verse number 8. Exodus chapter 17, verse number 8. Then Amalek came, and they fought with Israel at Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other, uh, other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and jo- verse 13 says, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and he called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord's will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words. God, give us ears to hear what you want to say to us. Uh, today, God, anoint me to preach. Help me to preach, Lord, in such a way that your Holy Spirit can accomplish your good purpose for every person that is here this morning. God, please prevent anything that would create hindrances or cause distractions. And God, give us the grace that we need to believe the truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, I mentioned that it's difficult for us to trace the exact route that Israel took as they journeyed from um, Egypt through the wilderness of sin towards Sinai. But it is also difficult for us to construct an exact timeline of the events as they happened uh, along the way. For example, we don't know how long it was that the people of Israel uh, were at Rephidim before Amalek came and fought with them. When we read the text, 
Um, our imagination tends to compress time so that it seems like it just maybe it happened the next day. Uh, we, don't, we don't know that. Um, or it could have been several days later. They could have camped there for several days, and it was after several days. Most likely, Amalek attacked several days after the miracle that took place at Rephidim, the miracle at Horeb, after, that is, after uh, they, Amalek, after they discovered the water that was now flowing freely into Israel's camp. You see, Amalek was a nomadic tribe of people just like Israel was at that point. They were a, a nomadic tribe, which means they moved from place to place in the desert, depending on the availability of what? Water. And depending on the availability of food and uh, for, for, their, for their livestock. And so they were a nomadic people, and so water was essential, and therefore water was a valuable commodity in the wilderness. And so Amalek probably fought with Israel over the water that God had just provided for them, the miracle that God had just done for his people. Now Amalek comes in to do what? To steal that away and to try to take that water away uh, from the people of Israel. The people of Israel, if you know your Bible history a little bit, you know that the people of Israel had descended from Jacob. <clears throat> Jacob's name was changed to what? Israel. And so the people of Israel were the descendants of Jacob. Amalek was the descendant of Esau. And Esau was Jacob's brother, right? And so these two nations are actually distant cousins. Uh, they're distant cousins. However, Israel, here's a big distinction. Um, Israel is loved by God. And God's word tells us that Esau is hated by God. That, that's not my words. That's what the Bible says. In fact, later in the book of Malachi, that's what the book of Malachi says. Malachi chapter 1, um, uh, verse, I think it's 2 or 3. Uh, and later, the apostle Paul would actually quote Malachi in Romans chapter 9 when, when Paul makes his point about the special relationship that God has with his covenant people. This is what Paul says, as it is written, and this is what Malachi says, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I hated. Paul says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, and we've read this verse before, he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. It's that last verse that is so important. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Remember that. And in fact, hold on to it for just a moment because I'm going to come back to that in, in just a, a little while. But first I want to say something else about uh, Amalek. The meaning of the word itself, Amalek, is, is actually unclear. It's a, it's a proper name. As I said, Amalek was actually a descendant of Esau. Was an actual, um, he was an actual man. And, but the word itself or the name, Amalek, uh, seems to be a kind of a made-up name. 
similar to how you know parents sometimes will name their kids. Um, they'll give them kind of maybe a, like a um, a mashed up kind of name, a combination of a couple of names or a combination of a couple of words, or maybe it's a, so maybe it's a mashup of different words, or or maybe it's a nickname that is playing off of some other uh, particular uh, words. But here's the point. No one knows for sure. No one knows exactly what the root of the word is. What, what is the root of that name, Amalek? How did, it, how did it come into being? Well, scholars and linguists have studied it through the years, and they've made several educated guesses based on linguistically and looking at the letters and the words, the Hebrew words. And, and so they've made several educated guesses. Here they are. First of all, some uh, suggest that the root is, a, is related to a verb that has to do with um, the act of telling or the act of sharing certain kinds of information. We might, we might call that, um, that being a, a tattletale or a, a gossip. That it was kind of a nickname based on that root word that Amalek was a tattletale. He was a gossip. Uh, or a second, second option is they say it could be related to another uh, verb, Hebrew verb that's very similar to that, which, is, which uh, describes the act of nipping at, at something. Like a dog nips at something and it kind of, you know, something larger just kind of nips away at something larger. Or the third option is that it's, it's a name that is related to a verb, has very similar to another uh, verb in Hebrew that refers to um, a ringing kind of action. You know what ringing is, right? Um, you, you ring something out, you have a dishcloth and you ring the water, water out. Well, here's the thing. These options have led some to suggest that the word Amalek could actually be translated as troublemaker, a troublemaker. In other words, a person uh, who likes to ring other people, a, a person who likes to ring um, a situation, um, and they, they ring a situation, maybe they ring it for gossip so that they can use that gossip to nip at, at other people and to stir up controversy and to stir up trouble uh, among other people. Have you ever have you ever known somebody like that? <laughs> Don't raise your hands. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, we've all known somebody. Like that. And here's the thing, there will always be, how many know there will always be troublemakers, right? And, and you should always do your best to avoid people like that. Or at least learn, or at least learn how not to engage in their gossip or, or in, entertain their attempts to stir up controversy and get trouble started. But, but that's not my point this morning. Who does that sound like in particular? That's right. Does, does the Bible describe someone who is constantly on the prowl looking for somebody to devour and nip at and chew up? Someone who is a, a liar and a deceiver. Somebody who is the accuser of God's people, somebody who is always looking for an opportunity to attack those that, that God loves and to put them, so to speak, to put them through the ringer <laughs> and try them and test them and cause trouble and difficulty in their life. Of course, 
um, is who? It's Satan. It's Satan. He's the troublemaker. Satan is the great troublemaker. And remember in the Bible, he asked for permission to do what? To Job, to test Job so I can ring him and try to cause trouble so that he will, so that he will curse God and so that he will die. Remember also Jesus warned Peter. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to have you so that he could do what? To sift you like, like wheat. So it's, it's the devil that is the troublemaker. Amen. And friends, I tell you that he is still up to the same old tricks. Can I tell you this morning, he, he hates you because God loves you. The devil hates you because God loves you. The Bible says that he is out to do what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. Last week, we talked about what God had done for us, what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Um, he was, Jesus Christ was smitten so that we might be healed. Amen. Jesus Christ died so that we might live. And when we are abiding in Jesus Christ, who is that fount of living water, how many knows we will experience God's abundant grace, sufficient to meet every need that we could ever possibly have when we remain in Jesus Christ. Amen? But there is an enemy of your souls. There, there is an enemy of your souls. And I'm telling you this morning, he wants to, he would like nothing better than to steal what God has given to you. Steal what God has done for you. But I've got good news for you this morning. God's word says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Let me say that one more time. The Bible says, greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. I'm telling you this morning, that old troublemaker, he doesn't stand a chance against Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Our God, the Bible says, our God is a jealous God. That means that he is fiercely protective over his chosen uh, people. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 8 says, that he that touches you, he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. In the same chapter in Zechariah, God says this about Israel's enemies. He said, but I will, I will shake my hand over them and they shall become plunder for those who served them. How many knows that's exactly what God did to the Amalekites in this passage, those troublemakers. God destroyed them. Deuteronomy chapter 32 says this, but the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. He found him, that is, he found Jacob, he found his people in a desert place. And in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him and he cared for him and he kept him as the apple of his eye. Can I tell you this morning, that's how God feels about you, his covenant 
people. When you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are relying on him for salvation. You are a part of that covenant people, and God is jealous over you. He has encircled you. He will care for you, and he will keep you as the apple of his eye. The Amalekites attacked God's people, and what was the result? God fought the Amalekites. God dealt with the Amalekites. Do you remember uh, what I said to you this uh, earlier, the hold on to? I said, hold on to that for just a moment. I'm going to come back to it. It was Romans chapter 9, verse 16, which says, So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Listen to me this morning. Victory belongs to the Lord. It doesn't depend on... It doesn't depend on human will. It doesn't depend on human exertion, but on God who has mercy for his people. One of the things that distinguish Israel's victory here over the Amalekites, and I love this about this passage, one of the things that distinguish Israel's victory over the Amalekites is that it was achieved, now listen, it was achieved in such a way that nobody could take credit for the victory. Nobody could take credit. Look at it again, beginning in verse number 9. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, and so they took a stone, and they put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Victory was won. Listen to me. Victory was won not by human exertion or will. Victory was won by who? By God. Who gets the credit? God gets the credit. Joshua and his men fought hard, to be sure. But remember, no matter how hard they fought, Amalek prevailed when Moses' hands did what? When it went down, Amalek started to win. So the victory wasn't won by Joshua. Joshua had to depend on Moses to hold his hands up. So Joshua prevailed when Moses held his hands up. But here's the thing. Moses couldn't take credit either. Because why? Moses couldn't keep his hands raised by himself. So, jo so Joshua can't take credit for the victory. Moses can't take credit for the victory because he couldn't hold his hands up all by himself. He had to have somebody to come and hold his hands up for him. He doesn't get the credit. Aaron and Hur didn't do anything. They didn't fight anybody. They didn't, it, holding their hands up didn't do anything. But they had to come and help Moses hold his hands up. The point is made very clear. Listen this morning. The point is very clear. The battle was not won by human effort. The battle was won by the Lord. The battle was won by God. That, now let me be clear this morning because I don't want you to leave and say that I said something I didn't say. That's happened before. It's all right. <laughs> but I want you to know this morning, I'm not saying that the battle was not fought by human effort. How many knows they, they fought? I'm saying that the battle was not won 
by human effort. How many knows uh, there's a difference between fighting and winning? That's right. Can you appreciate that difference? There's a difference between fighting and winning. I I might be able to fight with, I don't know any boxers. The only one that comes to my mind is Mike Tyson. But I could could fight Mike Tyson. How many of those that's not going to last very long? All right. (laughs) Because I'm not going to win against Mike Tyson. (laughs) So, So there's a difference between fighting and winning. Amen. Yeah, it's it's true that uh, the battle was fought with human effort. Human effort was involved. But what I'm saying this morning is that the battle was won by God. It was God. And listen, none of us doubt that this morning. We know that, right? We read this passage and we know God won the victory. God is the one that deserves uh, the credit. So we wouldn't doubt that after reading the account that Israel won because God defeated the enemy. The deciding factor was not Joshua's military skill or his leadership. The deciding factor was not the bravery of Joshua's uh, military men, those men that fought and, uh, against the Amalekites. Um, the deciding factor was not Moses, well, not even Moses' ability to hold up his own hands because he couldn't hold up his own hands. The the deciding factor wasn't even Moses, I mean Aaron uh, and and her. Nobody, none of them could take the credit for the victory. The deciding factor was God. The deciding factor was God whose presence and whose promises were symbolized, how? By by the staff that Moses was, was holding in his outstretched Hand. Remember, he said, go up on the mountain, take the staff with you, the staff of God, stretch it out. Because you see, the staff represented God's presence, God's promise among his, among his people that he would be with them and that he would deliver them. So it's the staff that symbolized God's presence, God's promises to his people. And as Moses held it out before the people, the people won because God gave them the victory, which is why it's the whole point of why Moses builds an altar on that site after the battle. He builds an altar and he calls that place what? The Lord is is my banner. Jehovah, uh, or Yahweh if you prefer, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. What he's saying is, the Lord is, my, the Lord is our flag. The Lord is the one under whom we conquer. And the Lord is the one with whom we are victorious. With him, we are victorious. Through him, we have the victory. So, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our Stand, uh, standard. The Lord is our flag. He is our rallying point. And he will lead us into battle as we look to and as we rely upon him. And he will give us the victory. Can you say amen? God is our victory. He is the one who wins the battle for us. Joshua doesn't get the credit. Moses doesn't get the credit. Aaron and her don't get the credit. God gets the glory. And can I tell you this morning, spiritual battles 
are not won by human effort. They are won by the mercy and the power of God. And it's only as we look to him, it's only as we learn to rely upon him that we will be victorious. Remember, God's word says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Y'all are Pentecostal church, aren't you? I know we are. We just saw it this morning. So y'all say it with me. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We win the victory through the spirit of Jesus Christ. And as Psalm chapter 60, verses 11 and 12 say, listen, oh, grant us help against the foe for Vain is the salvation of man. With God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul says this. Paul, um, Paul says that God considers it, quote, um, or that God considers it just to, quote, repay with affliction, those who afflict you and to grant relief to you. The NIV says it this way, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Amen. That's a, listen, that is a promise that God has made to those who are his covenant people. You are the apple of my eye. And whoever touches you, I'll pay them back trouble for what they have done. God, God is against those who are against his people. That, boy, I'm going to say that again because y'all didn't shout. I said, God is against those who are against his people. Amen. Amen. But now listen. Before you start to imagine all of the things that you want God to do those to those <laughs> who have caused you trouble. See, I know the way that you think, right? Uh, you're making a list, aren't you? All right, that means, yeah, I know this person and that person. Now, before you start to imagine all of the things you want God to do to those who have caused you trouble, let me remind you. This, this is about justice. This is not about revenge. It's about justice. And although I do believe, I do believe this, I believe that there are people whom God does um, repay, in a, in a way of speaking, for their trouble-making ways. Remember this. Remember the primary troublemaker that is on God's radar is Satan. The primary troublemaker that's on God's radar is Satan. And you can be sure this morning that God is going to repay him for all the trouble that he has caused you. All of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the affliction that he has brought against you, you can be sure of this. God sees it. God knows it, 
and he will repay him for the affliction that he has brought uh, against you. Now, there's one final thing I want to point out about this passage. In verse number 15, the Bible says that Moses built an altar, and he called it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, saying, and here's what he said when he dedicated that altar. He said this, a hand upon the throne of the Lord, and the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This is where God swears out a pledge against the Amalekites that he will have perpetual animosity against the Amalekites. Something that we see played out in the history of Israel, or should we say at this point, in the future of, of Israel. Something we see played out in um, the, the trajectory of Israel's history. Here, here's the thing, what is unclear is that phrase, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. Because the context is difficult it makes it difficult for us to determine exactly whose hand is being referenced here. And there are at least, well, there are three. There are three variant interpretations of that phrase. Okay, so here's the first. The first interpretation is that it's talking about the hand of Moses. That as Moses lifted up his hand in supplication to God, in, in prayer to God, that as he lifted up his, his hand to God, God intervened and destroyed their, their enemies. But there's a, there's a second interpretation, and that interpretation is that it's actually talking about the hand of Amalek, that Amalek lifted up his hand against God, and that he touched God's people, and he touched the apple of God's eyes. His hand was lifted up in violence against God, in defiance and in rebellion. Um, and then there's a third uh, interpretation or possibility. And that is that it's talking about the hand of God. That God lifted up his hand and swore an oath against Amalek and said, I'll have perpetual war against Amalek because he has touched my people and my chosen people. Here's the thing, all three of them all three of them work for me. <laughs> All three of them work grammatically, and, and none of them actually contradict the point that is being made in this passage. That when the devil raises his hand against you, we can raise our hand up to God in prayer and in supplication and know that God is going to raise his hand against the enemy and repay him for every dirty, crooked thing that he's ever done to us. Amen? So, when you're under attack, remember where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. So, when you're under attack, lift up your eyes to the Lord. Because your help comes from the Lord. He is our banner. And our standard. He's the flag. Through him we shall do gloriously. Amen. Lift up your eyes to Jesus. Stretch out your hands to the Lord in petition to God. Lay hold. Lay hold of his mercy 
and his power. You, friends, you cannot win this battle in your own power, but I'm telling you this morning, you can claim his promise. And this is his promise. When Satan raises his hand against you, he is actually raising his hand against Jesus Christ. And because you are his portion, the bride of Jesus Christ, then you can trust that eventually God will raise his hand against the enemy and repay trouble to those who trouble you. Now, that does me good this morning, amen? It does me a lot better than imagining all the kinds of revenge I would like to have. I know that God is my banner and that through him I will do gloriously because it's, he is the one who will arise and will scatter our enemies. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Mike, would you come to the piano this morning? Listen, the devil is a troublemaker. You don't need me to tell you that this morning. You know that already. He may use people. He uses um, circumstances. He might use the people at work. He might use um, situations that you're in. He might use sickness or whatever it might be. But make no mistake, he's the real enemy. The devil is the real troublemaker. But greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Can I just tell you this morning, listen to me. Um, can I just tell you, Satan can't take anything from you that God has given to you. Let me say that again so that you carry that away with you this morning. Satan can't take anything from you that God has given to you. It's just, it's just not possible. Satan can't do it. Satan can't steal anything from you that God has already given to you. Now listen, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you won't have to fight for it sometimes. Doesn't mean that you're not going to go through battles. Doesn't mean that the devil's not going to attack you from time to time. But can I tell you, listen, you're no match for the devil. I love you. I really do. But can I just be honest with you? There's none of us that are a match for the devil. You'll not win that battle in your own power and in your own strength. But here's the good news. <laughs> you don't have to. All you've got to do is lift up your hands to the Lord and say, God, <laughs> you see what the devil's doing. You know the battle that I'm in. You see trouble in my life. And God, I look up to you because you are where my help comes from. You are my standard. You are my banner. <laughs> and I'll look to you, God, and I'm going to trust you for the victory. The victory belongs to the Lord. So if you're fighting a battle this morning, I'm going to encourage you, look to Jesus the author, the finisher of your faith. <laughs> Satan doesn't stand a chance against Jesus Christ. Would you stand to your feet right now? Heavenly Father, we're praying that you'd grant us help against the foe. Would you just pray that with me right now from Psalm 
chapter 16. Oh God, grant us help against the foe. For vain is the salvation of man. We can't do it, Lord, in our own power, through our own strength. We'll never win spiritual battles through human efforts. We need your grace and your mercy. But God, with you, we shall do valiantly. You are the one, God, who will tread down our enemies. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.